We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. It's Thursday, March 10th, Thursday afternoon. I'm joined by Britt Robson of Mimpost. Britt, I was thinking about, I tried to guess in my head how many podcasts we've done together ever. And it's got to uh-huh. be, it's got to be getting like close to 200. Oh, really? Court. I was going to say in the 100 range. So, yeah. Yeah, maybe not quite 200, but they've certainly never been on. A six-game winning streak anytime no. over that time. No, ever any sort of winning anything. This is a, just right. a completely different team than since my time uh, covering this team. It's just it's completely different than it than it ever was before. the The vibe has completely changed surrounding this team. Where are you just? Where are you just at as you sit here on on March tenth with this team, a team that you've been high, higher than I have, um, going back to the beginning of the season. They're kind of looking good. Yeah, I mean, I'm optimistic. I mean, they have exceeded my expectations. I had them between uh, 35 and 41 and pegged it at 38, revised it up, and then had to revise it up again. Um, But I'm in wait-and-see mode, mode, quite frankly. I mean, there's still – there's an outside chance they miss the playoffs because they get beaten by uh, a LeBron James team desperate to salvage his legacy. The LeBron or, James team that just lost to the Houston Rockets last night. I know in overtime, and uh, and uh, I uh, um, a Clippers team that may or may not have a bunch of people back. A New Orleans team that gives this team trouble. I mean, there's all different kinds of scenarios you never do know. Um, what I don't. I don't like though. I don't like that people have totally moved on from the idea of the six seed. I just because it's oh, not no, no. I, a fifty percent chance. Yeah, I haven't totally moved on from it, but I think that to think about the six seed when I'm laying out ideas as to how they couldn't even get to be the seventh <laughs> or eighth seed, yeah. I think is uh, where I'm at right now. I think what we have to remember is. The playoff experience on this roster amounts to Cat, who had an absolutely terrible series, and um, Okogi, who was kind of a bit player, I think, is in nope. his rookie year that year. Nope, he wasn't. Oh, he wasn't? 
Mm-mm. Oh, he wasn't on the team? Yeah, he was 18. So, oh, it was 18. It was yeah. 18, right, right. So just Cat, and then, of course, Pat Bev, and probably Torian Prince has had a little work, right? Yeah, I would assume, yeah, Prince with the Hawks. Maybe with Atlanta. There. I think he yeah. was with Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, come on. You know, that's – and D'Lo, man. Did D'Lo sneak in for one series? Yes, yes. Yeah. Right. We should have got that. Yeah. First first yeah. round uh, when it was Nets, Sixers. Yeah. Like, 2018 yeah. as well. Yeah. So anyway, have any of them won a playoff series besides Pat Bev? I, I, maybe Torian Prince's like rookie yeah. year with with okay. the Hawks. But I mean, so there you go. And so, you know, you go up against the Clippers. You go up against the Lakers. You even go up against you know uh, Valanciunas who went deep with, with Toronto one year. You know, if, if it's New Orleans, uh, yeah. Ingram I think was in the playoffs. Although I'm not sure. Maybe not. Um, but the point being that just as I try to tell people, you know, the Wolves suck, you know, when they're on like a three-game losing streak, you know, uh, that you have to ride the tides, you know, in and out, in and out. And, yes, they are clearly better. And, yes, they have the intangible of – a confidence backed by reality, which is very different than a confidence backed by hope and supposition. Um, they know that they can be very good, um, but they don't have the depth of confidence to not have that first wave of doubt in a postseason game not affect them. Right. Um, and so I think that's one of the things I want to see. Um, and in particular, I want to see it out of cat. Uh, he's been marvelous lately. His attitude is equilibrium. Everything about the way he is operating right now is really a lot of fun. And I will say, well earned. The guy has taken a lot of shit from me as many, much as anybody, uh, in terms of the way he views the world and, and kind of the, um, the, the 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 tough the inability for him to you know put his self awareness in the proper context at least by by my standards um, and so that again by my standards has changed radically and he really is um, he's in a really good place to actually be a leader that when he speaks in the locker room or on the court he deserves to be heard. And, and I, that must feel incredibly satisfying to him after all he's gone through. I mean, you know, I talk about me and other people. What about Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau? Uh, you know, I mean, probably the whispers around the league pre COVID for him when, you know, empty stats guy, you know, was said by various people. And well, I mean, he basically came out and said that shit pissed him off. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it, when when we talked to him last week, whatever that was, right, right. I mean, which I, again, I think we all we all knew that he's just kind of speaking the quiet things out loud. Cat uh, has always been, I mean, in it, I've, in any player I've ever been around, I think uh, follows the noise around his name more than anyone I've uh-huh. that that I've I've seen and covered. And I don't even mean that in a bad way. I, I think I think a lot of times as fans, you go. Oh, as a player, just block out the noise, you know, but I think a lot of us 
if we were in that spot exactly and we come home from a bad game or right. good game we get on twitter and we type our name into the search bar and we see right. what people are saying about us you know and 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 i think and cat had a lot of that and so and i don't necessarily think that's changed what has changed is the energy surrounding that is now more positive and i think that really i think that really matters to him and i think it i think it transcends like one game i think it has it has an impact on the group it it kind of like catalyzes right he's look he's always looked and has never had from the beginning a winning and supportive environment at the same time and now he finally has it this is the first time in cat's career where his team is winning and it is supportive of who he is as a player and a human being. Boom. And that's really all he's wanted. It's just that, you know, uh, it, it, it's been for a variety of reasons, some of which have to do with cats, some of which have to do with the, you know, the yo-yos around him, you know, the Tibbs and the butlers and everything. Um, I was very impressed with cat when he, after a really long-winded answer, said something along the lines of, uh, I just decided to be me. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to stop, you know. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, you can tell when somebody is trying to frame themselves in a pleasing manner and when somebody is just being who they are. And don't you don't and, even got to say somebody. Cat, yeah, you know right. when cat. Is but I mean, I think that's true yeah. of a lot of people. You know, but I, I mean, mean, I think that's just, generally true. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I just feel like I've sat in enough interview situations with cat to know when he's doing that, which is often, and also to right. know the the counter to that when he when he when he isn't. And there's been so much of the latter. This exactly, season. and and so to get back to the original reason I opened up this uh, <laughs> can of perfume and worms at the same time is that. Uh, we don't know how that person is going to respond to big pressure. You know, is he going to respond with that renewed strength intact and play the kind of selfless, interesting, subsidiary, but at the same time vital role that he's been playing lately? Um, is he going to let opponents and physicality and refs get in his head because it's big moments. Um, we, you know, that to me is a huge factor in the postseason is to whether or not Cat can retain, I say equilibrium. I just think it's a, it's a good word, meaning he's balanced within himself. He's true to himself, but he's also mentally rigorous enough to, you know, go through this stuff. And then, you know, not for nothing, D'Lo and Ant are the other two guys in the big three, and they have their own question marks around how they will do in that type of environment. But I, don't you think we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves? Not like No, no, because I think in a month's time, it will be here. I have no doubt in my mind that they will be in the postseason I, I playing that the wrong. game. I, I framed that wrong. Okay. I guess what I'm saying is, is the way I'm looking at it in my head is we got this month here i think it's literally right. exactly a month left in the season and then we have that that playoff time yes. and i think i think those are two very different things because i think 
they reasonably have different expectations, right? Like without a doubt. Yep. And and that's why when you're talking about uh scenarios, I think that cat will be I don't worry about this team for the rest of the regular season. I think they will play well. Whether or not they play well enough to get the sixth seed, I don't know. But I do think that they have put together a body of work over the last two months that would indicate to me that they will, if they get hit in the mouth, yeah, they may have a bad game. They may lose to Orlando, you know, or they may lose both games in Florida or whatever. But I don't think it's a knockout punch. I don't think that they're therefore going to lose six of seven or something. And if they do lose six of seven, I think they'll play well in three or four of those games and almost win them against very good teams. You I know, think, when I was when I was in Chicago, um, yeah. So it was. If you remember back, they played Sacramento. Sacramento won the first. Yeah, one, they lost, lost the second Sacramento and then lost Chicago. Yeah, and and Cat. Like he did the thing afterwards where he kind of lingered once the, you know, once the zoom turned off or whatever and was talking to us. And he's like, he goes, you know, I'm, I'm upset. We lost tonight. Like the Chicago, that Chicago game. Cause remember they were like kind of in it through three quarters right. and then they right. kind of fell apart in the fourth, but he yeah, goes, and especially Finch's uh, substitution pattern was rarely off target. Oh yeah. When Nas was getting cooked by DeRozan. Yeah. And he started the bench, the whole bench against the backcourt starters of Chicago. That was yeah. a rare pinch, pinch mishap. I, but it, go ahead. Yeah, it was just like it, it was interesting when Carl was like, "I'm I'm upset we lost this game, and I'm upset we lost in Sacramento." You know, that was you know back you know back to back losses there. But he goes, you know, I understood like, the way he put it. He goes, "Is I understood the losses in you know." Not and it wasn't like making excuses. Maybe I'm kind of framing this wrong, but it wasn't making excuses. He goes, we felt like we we let that Sacramento team's kind of uh, energy from the trade. Remember that was like when Sabonis and all those right. guys yep. got there. He goes, yep. we let them we let them carry that out. And you know, he goes, that's not you know that's not a game we're expecting to lose, but you understand losing. And then he goes in the Chicago game. He goes, we're playing here in Chicago. We had a chance to beat this team, but I understand not beating that team. And mm -hmm. like that, I feel like is a pretty healthy mindset, right? Particularly of your leader, where you're like, right. um, you know, you, you you can't have the expect. LeBron can't have the expectation of right. of like winning all these games. Actually, Delos says it all the time. He's like losing the right way, right? He's been right, he's right. been he's been on that thing for. You know, I was mocked a year ago. We haven't even learned how to right. lose right, sort of thing. <laughs> right, right, but right. but I think I, I think there's actually like some some truth in that. So with this team, as you talk about like the, the the two months it's been, because yeah, we don't need to throw a parade for beating the Blazers twice and the Thunder twice. But it has been an extended stretch with this team where they've won games against teams they should beat and lost. Most of their losses have been somewhat understandable, if not also a little bit disappointing. And I think that's kind of that that's the sign to me of an above average team, a, a playoff right. team, a, a team that belongs. Right. Well, and it could be even easier than that. They've been 21 and nine over 30 games. Well, 22 if you now, go right? 20. That's oh, there you go. Right. 22 were, and nine. I, over I don't know. That's 30. your number. You, you were saying that last. No, night. no, no. 
since January, they lost to the Lakers on January 2nd and then beat the Clippers on January 3rd right. or something. Mm -hmm. And so from that January 3rd win, they're 22 and 9. January 3rd to March 10th, that's uh, about nine weeks, you know. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good stretch of games. And yes, some of it has been easy. It also included Most. a month. It also included a month where they weren't even really home for it. They had four home games in a month of January. But that's fair. That's fair. So they were nine and six in January. So, of course, they're going to get a stretch, two stretches, as a matter of fact, they had where, um, you know, they played a clump of bad teams. Um, clump. You know, two of them, actually. That, that that time when they had two against Houston and two against OKC or whatever it was. Right. And that was that was in January as well, on the road, most of it. And and then this current stretch, which was ridiculous, quite frankly. Well, I didn't and even Detroit, Detroit, sack, sack in the middle of... Although uh, I will February. tell you, uh, I mean, I know I was one of the people that was bad-mouthing. Detroit is a physical team, and Detroit has not stopped playing. You know, you know what Detroit they, also is? What? A bad team. Uh, a bad team that yes. has some interesting parts. Cool. Put it this way. You ask me who I'd rather play of all the teams, the, the OKC, Houston, yeah. um, Portland, Orlando, and Detroit. And that Detroit team with Cade Cunningham and Sadiq Bay and Jeremy Grant and and that Stewart did a good job who, on cat yeah but yeah. those are also we're just i agree that's also yeah. we're saying they're not the worst team in the league they're the fifth worst team in the league okay and what i'm saying is the wolves beat them twice yeah they were hard victories uh but they won so again i just come back to the idea that if you go 22 and 9 in the nba over a period of 10 weeks for sure you're you know i don't want to hear all the caveats you know, mm -hmm. as to why that may not be great. It's not great, but it is solid playoffs caliber team play. You know what and they say, so, Brett? Solid is enough. Yeah. <laughs> and also, one of the things that I think is important <laughs> is that <laughs> January and February, the dog sled days of the season, are if you make K in that period of time, then you know that that's a that's a really good sign. Those are the those are the games you steal. Those are the games when very often teams don't show up to play. And if you don't show up to play, it's very easy. You know, upsets happen. Now that the teams are beginning to separate, you're getting the tankers, and you're beginning to see the playoff picture solidify. You can pretty well count. You know. Uh, Rockets versus Lakers, notwithstanding, that uh, you know you're going to see results you should see. So, again, it gets back to me to I don't worry about this team during the rest of the regular season. I don't know how it will play out, but I would be very surprised if they fall below the Clippers. Mm -hmm. um, so that means seven or eight. That means one loss is is not fatal and so i think that therefore um what i am interested in seeing is a month from now when i think at the current time they will be hosting a playoff game 
I think it'll be against the Clippers. And then if they lose that game, then they will be hosting a game against either the Pelicans or the Lakers. And that will be the game that I'm talking about mm. where all of a sudden, all this good feeling that we have right now and all of this momentum, the cannons, state? the cannons and the, the, the water over people's heads and the way Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras at the end <laughs> of the bench. What a great line. Uh, all of a sudden, your, your season's over and you didn't even make the first round. That's pressure. And so that may be a first marker of pressure. If they manage to get through that, then there's a little less pressure because they're not expected to win their first round matchup. But I am still curious to see whether or not they can be, whether or not they can tap their talent sufficiently to give a good accounting of themselves in the postseason. And I think that's much more of a mystery to me than how they will play for the final month of the regular season. Oh, for sure. I think, but I think I agree with that. I think they're both a little mysterious though, too. Um, okay. In that, and and I'm, I'm I'm honestly not trying to be like the tamp down the winning streak or, or no. the, the 22 and I'm, nine. I, I'm just, I'm honestly curious to try and solve something I can't solve in, in, in understanding what the actual value of these last 30 games are, because I mean, it, it's clearly in the green. It, it's clearly positive. I'm, right. I'm not, I'm not denying right. that. I just think this is a pretty like unprecedented run of a weird schedule that they, that they killed it. Like they, they ran right. it like they did their shit, but, I mean, we were sitting around last night in the media room and we were trying to go through of that stretch and say, what's the what's the best win in that time? What are even like the, the best couple? And and we came down to a win at home against Memphis and a win at home against Denver. And then there's like pretty much nothing else that resembles any sort of greatness in terms of wins. But I, I mean, it's. It's still hard to do. It's still hard to do. Right. I mean, I, I've also been sitting here every time they've had these runs against crap teams. I, I said before the Detroit, Detroit, Sacramento, Sacramento thing. I'm like, oh, a trap game. Like, right, right, I've been right. I've been wrong on that every time because they've taken care of business in all of those things. But I still sit here looking back at the past two months and I go, okay, good. I, you know, I test good numbers, good, but I know. Every game I came to one of these, I looked at the injury report and I go, oh, my God. Right. The other team is is not here. <laughs> like, so. Right. Right. It, it just I don't know. It, it's just here. It, here's what I will know. say to that. I will say. First of all, I think Chris Finch has demonstrated his bona fides. He's somebody who um, will be able to push the right buttons, flip the right switches to get this team on track. I think Pat Bev uh, is the best leader in terms of emotionally rallying people that this team has had since KG. Um, I think that the bench has embraced the idea that they are these selfless heroes, the 
you know, the yeah. second responders of the, you know, the, the 2021-22 Timberwolves. Right. And then when uh, the starters shit the bed, the bench comes in and rescues them. I think that they totally embrace that. That's happened um, a ton over these two months. A ton. Exactly. Exactly. With different people. Like, everybody can own a piece, you know? It isn't like one great sixth man and everybody else is just along for the ride. Like it used to be when Rocco and Sarge would, would do that thing on the bench, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. right after the trade. Um, I mean, the point being is that there a lot of things have to go wrong for them to look awful at this stage. You know, the, the, the starters will have to be bad and the bench will have to be bad and it will have to happen, you know, continually. And it'll have to happen. You know, we saw it against uh, Philadelphia where it was just, a, you know, they destruction. Um, <laughs> and there are teams that can do that. And there are some on the roster. I, I think Milwaukee, Milwaukee has decided it wants to play now. And I mean, you can see it. You watch Milwaukee now. They've decided that, you know, you're not going to see Robin Lopez. Um, and so, I mean, Brooke Lopez, thank you. There you go. This is the first one. Uh, <laughs> And so, uh, you know, we get to the point where there will there will be opponents that line up. You know, Dallas twice is going to be fascinating. Totally. You know, they had a can't they had a, they had a terrible game against the the uh, uh, Knicks the other night. Um, and, you know, you go one for twenty one from three point range in the first half. You know, you have like thirty four points, um, but figuring out how to deal with Dallas, figuring out how to deal with Milwaukee. You have a few teams like that, you know, that you come in. The Lakers with LeBron are going to come in, and right now they are diseased. But they have to figure out at some point, is losing to the Rockets, you know, at this stage of the season where, you know, they actually have to begin to worry about falling out of the play-in, even though there are a lot of terrible teams losing just as much behind them. Here's the the Um, next date. Here's the next date. Magic, Heat, Spurs, that's all on the road. And yep. you come back for Lakers, Bucks, back to Dallas, then Phoenix, and the Mavs again. Yeah, there you go. The amount that's of times I've said stretch. we're going to learn a lot of the next stretch this year is stupid. Right. I say it every stretch. Right. But I believe it. <laughs> like, you're going to learn a lot in, in this run, yeah. even just this road trip. And let's say they go two and five in those games which I think is about right, quite frankly. But then again, I thought their four games out of the break would be either one and three or, or, or one and four. Yeah, so, we've consistently you know, under-projected these, <laughs> yeah. these yeah, sort of yeah. stretches. And, and so um, if they go two and five, they probably are still ahead of the Clippers yeah. going into a little bit of a break, you know, compared to that murderer's row. And so I do think, you know, this it's the NBA. There are blips on the horizon. This team, you know. Well, it's um, fun. It's just keeping us interested, right? Like exactly. Hey, Britt, let me and, let me let me get a, okay. a break in here real quick and then sure. we'll, we'll come back because there's another sort of adjacent topic I want to hit with this. Today's show is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions. As I mentioned before, 20 by 20 Solutions is a Minneapolis-based consultancy that works with growing organizations to create and sustain success whether it's technology, workflow, 
platform architecture or more to help you build a strategy that fits your goal and execute a plan that fits your resources. This basketball season, 20 by 20 has partnered with Begin Anew, a Minnesota-based nonprofit focused on helping people in their journeys to recover from addiction, providing support and conversation to people throughout the process of recovery. 20 by 20 is sponsoring a donation campaign through the ScoreSide platform where you can tie your giving automatically to every rebound the Timberwolves grab this season. Go to 20by20solutions.com slash begin. That's 20x20solutions.com slash begin to install the ScoreSide app and look for the Rebounds for Recovery campaign and join the campaign. Support your team and your community with every board for the rest of the season. 20x20solutions.com slash begin. 20 by 20 solutions, your sixth man on a winning team. All right, back with Britt Robson of MinPost here on Thursday afternoon, Wolves six-game winning streak. I believe they're 38 and 29 right now. Britt, we were just before the break talking about the upcoming um stretch in the schedule, which is which is tough. It's it, it kind of in my head um is similar to what I was I was talking about last night, where I I kind of I posed the question, I guess, to myself of, you know, is this the best Wolves team since 2004, which I would like to to get your thoughts on. But the, the kind of conclusion I came to with it was, you know, to be determined by by this stretch. They are not yet the best Wolves team since 2004, i.e. they're not yet discernibly better than the 2017-18 Timberwolves, but they could be. They could be, depending on how they they finish these final fifteen games. And for me, that was a the idea of that being possible is a shift in my mind, really, in just like the past week, past couple of days that I uh-huh. that I've even um, considered it. And I think this this upcoming run will help for me at least clarify that. Yeah, I think it's hard. I think it's really hard to. Um... I I think that that team was battle tested. I think that the top of that team was Jimmy Butler, Taj Gibson, Jeff Teague. Um, You know, you had guys. Tibbs didn't even want to involve Cat in the offense. If you recall that total ridiculous mania where Jeff Teague of all people had to say, Hey, why don't we get him the ball? You know? Um, so that was a team literally <laughs> literally that was a team that had an identity that was a battle tested identity that I think made it as it was Tibbs's one he was going to go with what he knew was successful and what he cared about was getting into the postseason and he'd figure the rest of it out later. Well, as it turned out, that was a fatal miscalculation by him. You could already tell that the team was not nearly as good as the sum of its parts. But the parts that Tib relied, Tibbs relied on, um, I think Jimmy Butler, Taj Gibson, Derek Rose, uh, you know, come that playoff time, if you remember, he had a fabulous playoff series. Mm-hmm. Um that was a team that, um, you know, they were, I think, 
had like the third best record in the West when Jimmy got hurt two weeks before the end of the season or something. I actually just uh, I look I looked it up last night. Um, okay, it was so Jimmy got hurt in the sixty second game of the season. Um, up to that point, sixty one games to this season, the Wolves were thirty two and and oops no they were thirty six and twenty five at that point. Okay, okay the the Wolves this year. 61 games into the season were 32 and 29, which okay. ironically happened. Four. Only four, only four games, right? Not bad. And then what happened was the Wolves went on a six game winning streak. So they got to 38 and 29 by 67. Uh-huh. And the the Wolves of that year, I almost just called them the Bulls. Um, <laughs> they were also 38 and 29 at 67. So they, as we record this 67 games into the season, right. The Wolves are 38 and 29, just as the Timber Bulls were 38 and 29, 67 games into that season. Now, I know that's not the perfect metric to measure teams. Well, and also, those other. were those were non Butler games. The rest as of you the point year. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so, if you're asking me which is the better team, it's a really tricky question. I can give you the easy answer. The easy answer is I would much rather have this team than that team. Because I already knew, <laughs> yeah, I already knew that that team, the 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 Jimmy Butler team was clearly lacking in chemistry and more fragile overall, sacrificing quality of chemistry for quantity of chemistry. Hmm. This team has much more quantity of chemistry. But they have not had that battle-tested trio at the top that I think really matters at this time of year and into the postseason. Not that it mattered to the Wolves in the postseason that year because they got destroyed by Houston. But I would have to say, talking today, that the Butler team with Cat and Wiggins as like um, surprisingly subsidiary parts in some respects. Infantry. Yeah. Um, it's still a better team. But uh, I do, I agree with you that I just got through saying two and five. If they flip that, if they're five and two against in the stretch, or if they snatch that six seed, um, yeah, then, you know, yeah, I'm that, that's all I'm saying is because I was like, I, I honestly hadn't even considered it until I, right, I was, I was right. trying to think about it yesterday before the, I mentioned it to you before the game because it hadn't crossed my mind. I was just like, sadly enough, in, in Wolves history, that's a pretty high bar. The 2017-18 oh, team. And, and, right. and, and it was. They were, that, was a, that was a good team. You're right. They were, they were the 4C before Jimmy got hurt. At one point, they were the 3C, but at that point in time, they were the 4C. I mean, that was a, was a really good team, really effective team. They were, they were, right. they were getting it done. And they were third in offensive rating for the season, 24th in defense, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, again, like a, a good, a, a really good team. And, right. and this team, for most of the year, has undeniably been fun. But as far as like, I don't know, like that Jimmy team was like cutthroat, right? This team mm-hmm. more so was like cute this year. Right. And right. Right. And has that like that's that's turned like that's kind of actually turned into an identity in a way that has hardened them 
some too. Like, I mean, it goes back to the thing we were talking about with Cad of like, I'm just being me. They're all just being themselves, like down the line, Pat Bev, D-Lo, whatever. Like, right. And and that has that has coalesced into something more than than just being cute and in its own sort of way, similar, if not better than that team from 2017, 18, that was cutthroat. Right. And and so what we have to figure out, Pat Bev and Torian Prince, what do you know, are the respective leaders of their two units, the starters and the bench. Yeah. And they are both pretty cool veterans. I mean, they are guys that really set a nice tone. Um, and so, you know, you're not going to get better than Butler and Taj as guys playing uh, good cop, bad cop. I mean, uh, they really, they were wonderful in terms of uh, imposing the Tibbs culture in a bad way and a good way and having that combination be very effective, such as it was. I mean, people forget as much as Cat was abused throughout that season, he had a really good year. Um, and, you know, was a legit all-star. And um, I think it was his best season until this season. Um, mm. So the next year he scored a yeah. lot, but he was not a good defender. Yeah. No, I mean, and if we if we do attribute any credit to how good the team is and how good the season was, I, like, these should be – if that matters, then these are the two best years because right. these are they, they've driven the the most the most winning. Right. I just think Cat at that time was very neutered by Finch in what he was allowed to do by Tibbs. Yeah, right. sorry, sorry, by Tibbs. Look at that one to one on corrections now. Um, in in that what we've come to learn, and this might not even totally be like Tibbs's fault i mean he didn't experiment with it but think about since that 2017-18 season how many different ways on now on both sides of the ball we've seen cat diversify his game i mean he has a significantly wider package offensively than he did in in 2017-18 and also now given the way that that they're playing defense we've seen the cat can do a hell of a lot more defensively i mean I know the Wolves' defense is like dropped off, and they're like average or whatever now after being top ten. Cat has not. He has got, in my opinion, and just having you know going through and watching the pick and roll right. possessions that right. sort of stuff. He is getting yep. better at playing at the level of the screen. And I agree with that. I think he's um, he's more timid right at the rim on the boards, and that may be. Uh, by default, a better thing because his decision making and following used to be really problematic. There, hmm. he's a lot more. Um, he concedes more right near the rim, but as a result, I think he puts his focus where he is best, right. and and that is at the level. And his reactions also seem to be in sync with uh, 
it, it's never, you know, you can't say a good decision, bad decision necessarily because you don't know how everybody else is playing, you know, on those situations. Right. But for the most part, I would say that what I've seen from Cat this year is somebody who has figured it out within his own little box of what he wants to do. 100%. And that is very different uh, um, than what we used to see. I think Britt, like, and, and this kind of ties into the 2017-18 team too and the, and the differences. I think that's coaching. Like, yeah, I do too. Defining what the box, what is the box going to look like? And, and the right. box that Tibbs gave Cat Right or wrong? Ice, ice, ice. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was an ice box. No, it, it was it was just different than, than what exactly. than what than what Finch has provided. And I think as I think more about comparing that team to this team, probably one of, if not the biggest, differentiators is the coach. Um, mm -hmm. And and you know, like Tibbs Tibbs fizzled and all those sort of things. But Tibbs that year, you know. And and he has a, obviously a track record before. Like Tibbs is a good coach, he he got it done. And Tibbs is a limited coach, who under the right circumstances could be a great coach. Mm -hmm. Under the wrong circumstances, he could be a bad coach. Yeah. And we saw both sides of that. We saw when he was able to impose his own culture, he was able to maximize his limitations. Wow. and maximize what he necessarily made into a limited roster. And mm -hmm. that got him an eight seed and a first round exit and chaos after that. Right. I, I don't think it takes a genius. In fact, I know it doesn't. It's, it's the easiest question in the world. Who's a better fit for Cat, Tom Thibodeau or <laughs> Chris Fitch? I mean, come on. And you can be the other way. You could be Ryan Saunders, who in his own way, was a decent fit for Cat, but in other ways was not because he was too uh, too beholden to his past with Cat. Um, and so what you have now is you have a guy who has appropriately praised Cat up and down for his consistency this year, but also went into the season saying, we're going to change our defense to protect Cat. Mm. When in fact, it was what Cat wanted. Right. Finch justified it in his own mind by saying, we can't continue. You and I talked about it continually. How can you have a winning team if Carl Anthony Towns is your fulcrum at the rim? You know? And so. And we learned you. And we were right. You, you can't if you're playing job. <laughs> right. You can't. I mean, there's six years. Like. He won't play it now. Finch won't play it. I mean, every now and then you'll see it, but it, it's kind of like when he plays high zone, drop. You know? They refer to it as yeah. high drop when they do it, which yeah, yeah. Ironically, I, I think like is it bad actually? Yeah, but I was gonna say in that playoff series against the Rockets, what the plan was With Capella, right? Was super deep drop. Yeah, and yeah. and that kind of got a. You know, th there was some bad imagery of that, of Capella dunking on Cap. But I remember, like, talking to some people in the Wolves front office after that series. And they were like, yeah, you know, Cat didn't get it done offensively. But we were really pleased with, uh, or that was his best, you know, that was his best defense. 
um, of, of the, you know, of, of the time that, that Tibbs had been there. They thought the deep drop was like really deep, man. They had him like back, like under the, the rim there. And I think that kind of led into the following seasons and the seasons after that being like, okay, this can work. Look at, look at the Houston series cat cat can play, can play drop and that stuff that proved to actually be naive because right. it was not, that was not accurate. I mean, the, and what's, what's crazy. I mean, in retrospect, I was totally on board with getting Taj Gibson when they got him. It was a, was not cheap. Um, and I thought this guy's going to be great for the locker room. I always liked him as a player, but the negation of Gorgie Jang was a net. I mean, it it diminished uh, Todd's Taj's acquisition because you could have played that weird combo thing that they did with Gorgie and Cat. That was a better combo on defense than Taj and Cat because. Um, Gorgie was, uh, could take the big more frequently, you know? And so, and, and as it turned out, you know, they put Taj on all the bigs anyway, you know, they put right. Taj on, on Drummond, Jokic. they put him on Jokic. Yeah. yeah. And he won, they won the, yeah. the game for him, but, and, and it's not to belittle Taj at all. It's just what I'm saying is, is that what you have now, the power forward is Vando, hmm. you know, or the Vando prototype, you know, Jade McDaniels has to be very active in that Vando role, or you go to Okogi, or you go to Prince, but they all need to to hustle, to run around. Um, and so, and obviously it's because it's not drop. But my greater point is that when you have Cat playing a certain way, you need to surround him with the right personnel. And Tibbs would rather play his way and have yeah. the personnel figure it out. Finch figured out that what Cat and the personnel needed. And I think that was, and actually when I did my story on, on Micah Nori, uh, Nori said one of the reasons that he was immediately impressed with Finch is because Finch had certain precepts on offense that he was figuring out and all of a sudden, they were running Nurkic and Jokic on the floor at the same time. And Finch had to figure out how to make those mm -hmm. two guys work. And he reworked his offense to make it work for those two guys. And then, and then he went to New Orleans yeah, and did right. the same thing. But, I mean, it's, it's like Finch adapts to his talent. Tibbs very obviously doesn't. Tibbs goes out and gets his guys so that he can keep doing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He'll get a guy like... Um, uh, the Cam Reddish and not play him because he's not in, you know, yeah. he's not my style. He's not fitting my thing. You know, that's a bad coach. That's a limited coach who doesn't have the flexibility enough to it's run an school. NBA team. It's old school. Yeah. But it's old school to the point, you know, well, I'm just saying um, there's other coaches who still do stuff like that. Too. Tibbs isn't yeah, the only one. I mean, Nate McMillan, I think, is one of the few that has done it well. And he's flexed a little bit. I mean, the idea, Nate McMillan and Andre Miller used to fight because Nate McMillan would call so many of the plays. Well, Nate McMillan's point guy right now is Trey Young. So I think that Nate McMillan is flexed. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure Tibbs could flex like that. Um, 
Flip Saunders has the best winning percentage in, in Timberwolves history as a coach. Tom Thibodeau has the third best winning percentage in Timberwolves history at 475. And now Chris Finch is has moved into the number two slot. He's with that win last night, he is now 54 and 54 in in his 108 games now having coached the the Timberwolves the only which by the way probably history. puts him in the the top 6 among a number of games coached i mean it's been <laughs> such a roulette wheel i know it's it probably he's probably top 10 but it's it's worked you know i think i think that's i think that's the biggest story is is that it's working and um and also most encouraging as as we get you know caught up in the you know, the battle of the last 15 games, the sixth seed, what's the first round of the playoffs going to look like? The bigger thing here is that this is the coach and the way he connects this current roster appears to be sustainable and exactly. and something to build on. And that is the biggest difference between the 2017-18 Timberwolves and the 2021-22 Timberwolves because even if that 17-18 team was better, it definitively was not sustainable. You want a weird monkey wrench into the whole thing? Yes, please. 2020 hindsight says it's also a big difference between this team and the 0304 team. How so? 0405, mm. chaos. Yeah. They were scheduled. I remember Greg Anthony on ESPN predicting that the Wolves would win the NBA championship in October of 2004 and the 04-05 season unfolded and Spree needed to feed his family. Cassell in his weird way uh, decided to Sam Cassell. Always, I mean, I always say this, but it makes me laugh. He always took the money too soon and didn't wait to get the big money, got mad about it. <laughs> and then would defend the rights of all these other players to get as much as they could because he was pissed off at what he had not gotten. I mean, it was such a weird. Sam had the sweetheart contract, at least by the the league, uh, Wolf standards. He was getting paid relative peanuts, and he kind of took out that ire that he himself had signed that contract on the Wolves because they weren't giving Spree more than seven million dollars a year for three years, three for twenty one an offer that we all know now no other team would match and Spree never, never played again. Uh, so, but that team, I remember very clearly, um, KG being, you know, Timberwolves through and through, you know, Minnesota, so on and so forth. And during that run, that 0304 run, when he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, it originally was supposed to be just KG. And he, he demanded that Spree and Cassell be on that SI cover with him. Um, Didn't know that. And then all of a sudden, the big three. All of a sudden, Cassell and Spree are mad, and Flip and McHale on the other side are saying, you know, what, you know, what the hell, what the fuck? Um, and he's torn. And you could tell that it, it hurt him. I mean, you know, that was that was his shot at at you know really getting something done, and that and whole they, season they finished that season they didn't make the playoffs they finished that season forty four and thirty eight I mean this team 
if they win. Saunders resigned. Well, he got fired. He, he, uh, he, according to Glenn Taylor, an interview I did with him, it's on tape. He said that Flip offered to resign like a couple of weeks before wow. he was let go. I mean, the whole thing was just, it was a saga. I mean, it was uh, covering that team back then. The the hopes dashed were 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 dashed so thoroughly that um, it was it was you know finally the year before they'd gotten past the first round had been seven straight years out of the first round all of a sudden they had it and now you know they couldn't even, even make the playoffs. <laughs> uh, let's, so, uh, let's let's mix in one more break here and then we'll, right. we'll keep going. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, back again with uh, Britt Robson of Min Post, our final segment here. We've uh, done 45 minutes of <laughs> historic uh, Timberwolves digging and armchair psychologists of, of the team. I, I think... I think an interesting topic right now is just how this team is is playing basketball, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, I, I really, I really dug into like the Malik stuff last night, just going through some of the numbers and I, you know, and I've been, we'd, we've all seen that, you know, oh, he's shooting 48% from three over this, this course of time. And yeah, I, I'm not going to read them all off uh, again. Now that, that's, that's true. He's been for months, one of, if not the highest volume shooter, depending on how you how you cut it, and also simultaneously one of the most effective three point shooters in the league. And um, something that hadn't really like connected in my head in relation to Malik, like I'd I'd kind of viewed Malik as this separate sort of entity of like wild right. card in and out of the team, but if you go through it and this in insane run of, of Malik shooting it ties almost exactly to the time in the schedule that we've been talking about for two right. months now which is oh the Wolves have the number one offense in the NBA since January 1st right Malik has a hell of a lot to do with that and I yep. don't think I've been assigning appropriate credit to that because it's not just the fact that Malik has made you know, 153s over that stretch. It's that Malik making 153s changes the way that opponents defend the everyone else on the roster and the spacing of the team. I mean, before that time, this was a bottom 10 offense. 
So right. it's everybody gets credit for it, but I don't think we can undersell how important Malik has been because what this team needed more than anything was to rearrange effectively their spacing and and defenses have adjusted accordingly and unsurprisingly in that time cat started going to work from two point range because he's got more space to work with like right. and the bench you look at that bench unit and they need spacing that bench without without spreading people out that Philly Nas, game, right, man? When no Malik, you're like, this is not a good bet. Well, I mean, McLaughlin, J-Mac works well in space. Nas works well in space. Even Torian Prince, if he doesn't get to do that dribble penetration if they're playing normal defense. You know, he's just not quick enough off the dribble to beat two guys. Yeah. Um, so just about anybody I can think of in that second unit is significantly compromised if Malik isn't on the floor. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes D'Lo can be the spacer by himself, you know, without Malik, and that's happened sometimes um, because they do bring Malik in early yeah. and then they leave him uh, and they take him out early in that second unit and D'Lo gets to run it a little bit. But I do think that um, as much as you could say, yes, you know, it re removes the need for Cat to be outside, and therefore he can he can be a magnet in the in the paint uh, while other people are magnets outside. Um, I really see Malik's great value in the fact that we didn't know what we had for a bench. We were I I remember praising depth at the beginning of the season as an advantage, and saying to myself sometime in that. December, January phase. I was wrong. You know, I was wrong about the depth. This team doesn't have depth. Um, and Malik is a big reason why that second unit clicks the way it clicks now. It's been, I mean, it, it's been, and, and again, to tie it to like a, a, a bigger Wolves topic too, or when we when you think about big picture and stuff, it's like, I mean, we're month, one month away or maybe six weeks away from the fan base pounding on the table to, you know, trade this trade guy for and a, get Jalen Noel in the lineup. Yeah, and and you know, and I'm not bagging on that. I, I think in ways we both said things like that. So you said he's the most dispensable, dispensable player on the team. I mean, I, I certainly was open to the of, idea of it too. Yeah. Oh, even in terms of trading him, yeah, mm -hmm. because you could get a, a good piece, you know, but. Um, as I praise Malik Beasley, I do have to point out he still is a bad defender. And I don't think he, that can be fixed. Um, he just strikes me as the kind of guy that even when he tries hard, he doesn't, doesn't play good defense. And, yeah. um, Which and is therefore, the norm, though. For players of his archetype. I mean, we, we've gone I through agree. this list. I the agree. Buddy Heels, the Duncan Robbins. Like, that yep. is his archetype yes. brethren, and they all stink at defense, too. I agree with that. Um, but, again, yeah. Uh, and, and, and what's interesting, all of those guys have trouble being a starter. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they all become this floating... Sometimes with the starters, sometimes with the bench, 
And some of it has to do with the fact that you don't really know what that particular mixture is kind of like having a really strong seasoning that you put in various soups or something. And sometimes that seasoning makes the soup really good. And sometimes it wrecks it, you know, <laughs> and you don't know until you throw it in and take a sip, you know. But uh, and when you do, fortunately, with basketball coaches, they can say, "Well, that doesn't taste good. He's got to go Sixth play man. with some other. Pe- he's <laughs> got to play with some other people." You uh, know? It's more. I mean, Jordan Clarkson, another one of the the highest ball. Oh, exactly. Shooters exactly. in the league too. Bertans <laughs> is another one of them too. And yeah, I had never really right. thought about it that way. All those guys who six men. You have no idea what they could do. I mean, <laughs> what's well, a volatile? And that's in a bad way. In a bad way, you have no idea whether or not you will get gold or tin you know um it's weird but with malik what you have gotten is such reliability in terms of boosting offensive production that you don't have to worry as much i mean i'm old enough to remember three months ago or five months ago when the idea of D'Lo and Beasley in the same backcourt, just, uh, what are you, crazy? You can't have those two guys in the same backcourt. You they, you know, it, it'll be double Matador, you know. And and lo and behold, when D'Lo comes in to the game to join the second unit, you go, ah, D'Lo and Beasley now, you know, it's, it's going to be really hard to stop these guys. Yeah, you know? The run is, yeah. Um. Outside, I mean, I know Malik's the 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 story of last night, but is, is there anything else like basketball evolution that has kind of stuck out to you over maybe this post All Star stretch of time? The way Cat really wants to play a totally different way. I was hoping you is... say that because that's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he doesn't. I mean. And I mean, I, I didn't think of that in, in relation to you, but now that uh, I've said it, I know that part of the reason I do think that way is because we've talked about the idea that um, he shouldn't shoot an open three every now and then. I mean, he's only a career 39% shooter on like thousands of attempts. And he, the he seventh, shot zero last night, Brett. 29 minutes of play, he shot zero. And do you remember when he had a streak where he had at least one make every time? The only way you do that is if you shoot multiples every time. You know, he I, wasn't one for one. I looked it up. Know, the last time he didn't shoot a three in a game was 2018-19 season. And Amazing. Yeah. I, well, it's actually, I'm going to do the thing where I praise before I, before I right. rip on it. Because, I mean, this driving development in Cat's game is terrific. It's fun. Yeah. I, it, it's. I, I remember like a couple years ago when when like national media people would would write about cat, um, something they would would I, our friend Charks. I I remember, you know, he was like I I still mess with cat because he's got this you know off the dribble game where he can he's a threat from three but he also can attack, and I remember when Charks or whoever other people saying the the same thing these like pump and go highlights. I was always like those are highlights. Because a lot of the time, what happens is Cat thinks he's gonna he's gets fouled or he's gonna if he doesn't get the foul call or if he misses the layup he's gonna right. fall over and then it's five on four the other way. I was like, yeah, I used yep. to be like, please stop driving, you know, right? And a couple of years ago, be a post up guy, shoot threes, 
do that sort of thing. That's completely changed. That is to have that perspective. If I had that perspective now, that would be completely wrong. He's one of, if not the most, well, the most effective big man driver in the league outside of Giannis this season. So that all being said, keep that. But it is wrong. It is wrong and it is a bad idea. <laughs> it, it, it is. Like, it is a bad idea to stop shooting threes. He, I mean, right. Jaden McDaniels is shooting more threes than Carl Anthony Towns. Jaden McDaniels is a bad three-point shooter. Yes. And I know, I know it's different roles and stuff like that, but you can't tell me that Cat doesn't catch the ball at the top of the key. All the time. Five, six, seven, eight times a game where it is a pretty open look. And he opts to get into his little jab and pump and go back. He wants to bring the guy out rather than just shoot over him now. And and it's working. I mean, he's, it's working and I think one of the ways it it's is working, working against C.J. Ellaby. But, but also or Isaiah Roby. You know, you said psychoanalyze. I think that one of the things that has kept Cat feeling I got to be me good right now is that he's he's kind of thumbing his nose at people who said he wasn't tough enough and he wasn't this and he wasn't that and he wasn't a team player that he got like 40 points and his team would lose by 20. Um, now it's like, I'll go 13 for 13 from two-point range and we'll win by 25 points. What have you got to say to me now? Right. No. And I got nothing. He should say that to me. No, no. But but he, but what I mean is critics who, who basically said he was soft. Yeah. I think well, that's I'm what I'm that. talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Mm -hmm. But, I, I, you know, that was a prevailing, you know, meme on Cat is that, you know, he's soft. And, you know, and Beat used to say that all the time. Easy when you outweigh somebody by 50 pounds, you know. You could call him soft, you know. If I run into somebody who goes a buck fifty, I can call him soft too, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> good, good comparison. You're in bead. There you go. You're right. <sighs> I don't even have the same height advantage over that guy. It's a buck fifty either. <laughs> oh, it's. I I don't really know what to feel about the cat thing, honestly. Um, well, he will have to revert back if they're going to be their best selves. I mean, that's what goes without saying. If you are wasting a 40% 6'11 shooter who's seventh in NBA fucking history in true shooting percentage, then I think you're kind of cutting off your nose despite your face. I don't mind if he only takes four or five a game, but to take zero or one. And to do so while you're doing that, and by the way, you know, knock on wood, and I'll cross my all the jinx things. That's also a way to get hurt, you know, to yeah. drive to the rim. I think about, and, I thought about that certainly this week a lot, where I'm like, yeah, you know, you know, cat didn't need to play to win those games by 20, you know, um, right. Yeah, well, I mean, that is, but that's another part of it. Broke cat his wrist wants twice. to play. Cat, cat yeah. doesn't want to beg off, you know. He broke his wrist twice on the exact yeah. same thing, driving from the top of the key to the right block, fading back, thinking he got fouled, catching himself on that wrist. That's a fact. Right. That's how he broke yep. his wrist twice, separate times. So, so yeah, you know, I mean, there, there's there's certainly some of that. There's 
And, and also it goes to the like, the getting back on defense thing too. <laughs> like, right, you can, exactly. You yep. can miss that. When he misses a driving layup, five on four. If he misses yep. a top the key three. If he misses a driving layup and gets fouled, five on four for quite a while. <laughs> In fact, he may be back down there when they turn it over and he's right. under the basket. But if he misses the top of the key three, he's already, he's basically back on defense. You know what I mean? So yep. I, this is, this is totally unfair. This is, I, I, me, I think I do it too much with Carl. Where it, it's picking nits even amongst his, you know, his best times. But the reason I think right now it, it, it's so, it, it matters is because he's playing great right now without it. Right. And, and we talk all the time about how there's this gap between Jokic and Embiid and, and where, and where Carl is. And this is the path to getting to that level because that is the skill that he has. And those two do not. So if he maintains what he's doing right now, plus is taking six or seven threes a game, making three or four of them. Now you're talking about a player who offensively is at, I mean, that's kind of like at the Jokic and a B double, which is, that's the. And let's let's expand it out too. Let's go macro on that. The Timberwolves, their fan base hopes are the sixth or seventh best team in a weakened Western Conference. Mm. What happens if Cat is his best self as an outside shooter and a driver? What happens if Cat buries a couple of those threes and does an upfake on the fourth one, like he did with Valanciunas? Remember yep. when he hit a couple on Valanciunas? That's when he began to, I think, figure out, hey, you know, mm-hmm. I can I can do the upfake. Well, the reason teams are going to stop biting on that upfake if he doesn't shoot. But the as much as Cat can maybe ascend to Embiid Jokic in the conversation, and by the way, make himself a ton of money if that ever does happen, because it'd be all NBA. Um, is the team can suddenly have a guy, an inside-outside threat, who can doesn't need Ant or D'Lo, one or the other, but not both, on the floor. Mm. And therefore, you can begin to, you know, stagger your big three a little bit and provide more potency for your team. There are all kinds of ways that if Cat totally maximizes all his great stuff, um, that this, it'll be better for him, it'll be better for the team, all that. And and so it is premature to rip him right now for that because he's learning. He's got a new toy. He's got a new identity and he's absolutely justified and loving that identity because it gives the middle finger to everybody who ripped him for a while. Right. But at some point in time, when you need to beat the second seed in the first game back home down 2-0, it's time for Cat to bring those threes to the four and, you know, let's get some traction here. Well, it just hints, it hints at a greater upside of the entire team because yep, that, because that's, that's one untapped into upside, obviously with what Ant has been going through with his knee and, and a return there right. too hints at another upside that you put together there. Um, some more consistency, 
from D'Lo, some Vando, you know, rest, getting back to to full health, Pat right. Bev not needing to. I mean, there there are a lot of things with this team that like reasonable buttons to all simultaneously be pushed here that make you go, oh, okay, you, you might have something, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And if that happens, then um, you know, and that's for another it's for another episode, but. Uh, it will be interesting to see what uh, even greater success than what this team has already experienced might do mm. to this team in the in the future. But um, as of now, I think they're in a nice sweet spot. Britt, we haven't even talked about you wrote your column on uh, on Patrick Beverly uh, t-shirt cannon and all. Uh, on- <laughs> On on Wednesday, I mean, uh, I, I guess we 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 don't have to totally go into that, but like briefly, what like what inspired that, and and just we've talked about Pat Bev over the course of the season, but I don't I think, think we talked about him at all tonight or today. Well, and that actually is part of the point is that what Pat Bev has done, the resonance of what he has done matters as much or more now than it did during that quickening pit, that phase, you know, is that um, it is actually what Nas said that I quoted at the end of the piece uh, is one of the reasons I flipped into deciding to do that. I was going to do this. Here are all the ways the wolves have been great. That little synopsis paragraph I put together, Beasley doing this, somebody doing that. And a roulette wheel of like heroics from the bench. I was going to break all that down. That was going to be my column. And then I thought, especially when I saw Pat Bev with the cannon, I thought, I've got to write about Pat Bev, one like tragic comedy with the camera, with the cannon, and also write about the fact that everybody said, oh, his leadership, it was so great. Well, now is when that leadership is now embedded. It's in. He, his leadership is now in the hearts and souls of his teammates. And that is when leadership matters most. That's mm-hmm. when, um, well said. you know, Nas Reed and, and, and Carl Anthony Towns and, and D'Angelo Russell have all been affected by Cat, Pat Bev's approach to things. And so whether or not uh, he's a, you know, playing uh i love the idea that he's taking every other game off i think it's a brilliant strategy right now uh from now until the end of the season because you really need him around but just the fire he brings but also the focus he brings and the fact that he is so clearly he has the trust of finch to the point where they talk all the time when he's on the court you know, they're yelling back and forth to each other and he's coming over and he wants to run certain things or he's informing Finch or something. Um, his influence on this team remains uh, enormous and almost all positive. I pointed out some of the negatives, you know, the, you know, on, on occasion he's a dirty player and on occasion he loses his head. Sometimes that happens at the same time. But even when it doesn't, you know, um, He's got he's got issues, but he's also oh he, he was absolutely the right guy at the right time, and 
that trade is the pivotal moment in the 21-22 Timberwolves season, in my opinion. If you want to say, when did the Minnesota Timberwolves become something more than last year's team in terms of what they were going to be? It wasn't just going to be natural growth. It was going to be a change in who they were. It was when they acquired Pat Bev for Jared Culver and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Still can't believe it. <laughs> I Have you even, like, think about what the game is going to look like or after the game is going to look like when the Wolves qualify for the playoffs or, God forbid, <laughs> win a playoff series. I, I can, like, in my mind's eye, picture Patrick Beverly, like, standing on the logo at half court, like, spinning in circles, Tommy gun style, just like firing t-shirts into the stands, like with his shirt off. Like it's, this team is like drunk, like it it all. And, and in, in like the good way to be drunk, right? Like drinking to be be happier, right? Not, not drinking to be happy, drinking to be happier. Like there's a, it's a, it's a cool, interesting, uh, vibe to it and it happens right in front of us uh at the at the end of the wolves bench and i mean it, it it's certainly something i've never seen in in my time here and, it, and it's fun you know and it, it's fun yeah. for those players and man for the for the fans like uh it's cool i mean it, it's cool because right. we both know i mean we've talked about this a lot over the over the years of just like even if it's the, you know, the people we don't know who are, you know, peppering us with questions on Twitter or listening to this right. or whatever it might be. It's like, you know, I got respect for, for those people who have like grinded right. through this, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a similar interest. Right. And, um, I, I just think these good things, even if being the sixth or seventh seed or whatever, isn't a great thing. Uh, it's just, it's just so well-deserved and is making, uh, it's making this for me, hands down, you know, the most fun team that that I've ever covered. And, and that makes total sense because it's my, as I've said before, my most fun team since 0304. Now I do want to interject the flip side of Pat Bev. You know, we're talking about LeBron, return, you know, coming to target center, the next home game. Well, so's Russell Westbrook. Mm. <laughs> and who kicked Russell Westbrook when he was down on Twitter? Mm-hmm. about three weeks ago, you know, uh, and, and who are two players in the NBA who would totally discard any kind of perspective in the moment if they happen to collide into each other, you know? I mean, there's always that feeling, you know, you might lose Pat Bev for five games to a suspension, you know. <laughs> well, whatever, give him some rest. You know, <laughs> uh, it's as long as it doesn't happen too close to the playoffs. That dude is not scared. No, and and I will, I will I will I will say this to anybody listening to this: if you haven't been to a Timberwolves game, or if you haven't noticed this, watch at the end of the national anthem. <laughs> while the singer is still singing, Patrick Beverly starts walking towards the bench, and he has this routine where he taps his chest, points to the sky a couple times. And then he puts his hands in the fingers of a gun and he goes, boop, boop, boop. And he fires off into the stands. He's been doing this every game of the entire season. And he maniacally punches the bench and prays. Like the dude is fucking insane. 
in the best way. In in, in right. the best way. Exactly. Well, so and, he doesn't he doesn't give right, a right, fuck right. if Russell Westbrook's right. coming and if Russell Westbrook right. is gonna say any anything. He's today. looking forward to it. He's he's and, looking forward and, to it. Me too. And, Meanwhile, Malik Beasley's hanging on the rim, you know? <laughs> He's yeah. got his own thing. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of personalities. It's a lot of personalities. Um, all right. Read Britt's piece on uh on Patrick Beverly. It's it's up at Mint Post. It was it was really well done. If it doesn't kind of feel like it, it when the team's good, like things get not irrelevant, but it's like the the topic changes day to day with this right. team a little bit, like the t-shirt cannon, uh feels almost to me like it was three weeks ago. It was three days ago, right, you know? Right. Um, but, but check that out. Uh, great piece by Britt. Um, Britt will be, we got uh, Orlando, Miami uh, this weekend and San Antonio on Monday, three game road trip. I've again, I cop to having said this a hundred times this season, but this is going to be an interesting stretch. This is going to yep. be an interesting stretch Saturday in Miami, really looking uh, forward to that. A real test of a real good team against the right. Timberwolves team who is believing right now that they're they're a real good team. Uh this is going to Jimmy be Butler didn't play last night, so I'm kind of curious as to whether or not he'll be suited up. Um I don't know what was up with him, but uh, he better play. That's big, I'll tell you. If he's out, that that uh, is a huge benefit yeah. for the Wolves. We'll see. First things first, uh Orlando on on Friday and you know, they always play bad in Orlando. He's uh he's Britt Robson. Read him at Memphis. Follow him on Twitter at Britt Robson. I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore NBA. Uh, I'll talk to you on Friday after the Orlando game. Until then, peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops. Yeah, green and hot, so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down. Yeah, hope you're dancing like nobody else around. Yeah.